everybody welcome to the 283rd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct from beaverton oregon played a lot of nba 2k because there was a uh, like a um a limited challenge so every week they have a limited uh team to play against other people to win a prize and I find creating a roster with, you know, not perfect players and making sure it plays as a team like the 77 Blazers is a lot of fun. So I spent the last day um, learning how these these like level 90s can work together to beat, you know, these other teams. And some people spent real money on their teams and I didn't. So it was one of those like, OK, I constructed something that works in most situations and let me just frustrate all these people in 2k so i had a i've had a very good week nerding out uh with with nba 2k pretty good um we celebrated my mom's birthday uh today and like her favorite thing right now is there's this bananas foster french toast at screen door um and so we we made reservations there and ha- had brunch there i had the the bananas foster french toast as well like if anybody knows me i am a breakfast connoisseur i could eat breakfast uh morning noon and night it's probably one of my favorite meals like just all all breakfast like savory sweet you name it absolutely have been on the french toast kick probably for the past like three or four years it used to be just like, oh, pancakes, waffles, and French toast was like a direct afterthought. But I've had some really fucking good French toast lately. Uh, there's a restaurant in North Portland called Derby. They make an awesome French toast. Olga also makes an awesome French toast. All you need to do is just go down to like New Seasons, get yourself some raisin challah bread, and put put a batter in there because that that that's restaurant quality. But this bananas foster French toast, I also love banana things. I know you like banana flavored things as well amazing and so for my mom to like something like she's a pretty picky eater i was like okay we found ourselves a winner uh also had a little uh blood orange mimosa uh dad was driving so it was able to uh kick back and relax a bit and yeah it was great to, to hang out with the family it was a nice sunny weekend and uh back to the grind tomorrow but before we do that uh we get to talk shop every sunday uh you and me sage get to talk about this basketball team. And right now it's, it's going about as well as can be given the circumstances. Uh, The Blazers are 25 and 38. They are a game and a half behind the Pelicans for that 10th play in spot, just a game and a half in front of the San Antonio Spurs. If you're interested in the, NBA lottery standings at the moment, Portland would pick eight and 10th based upon New Orleans pick. Um, And that's just kind of how it is. Uh, The Blazers have lost four straight games after winning four straight games. It was an interesting week. It was a a road trip, but they've only played two games. It's kind of probably annoying for the team to go out on the road and get all this time off in between games. You know, I've I've heard Dame say in the past, like, I just want to kind of get them over with. Even if I have to play back to back. Well, they had them spread out. Uh, Wednesday in Phoenix without Booker and Paul, the Suns had their way defeating the Blazers 120 to 90. And then yesterday against the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, no Anthony Edwards, no Josh Hart. Portland had eight players suited up and prop for the first 40 minutes of that game, Portland gave them hell. And it looked, it looked like they were about to, uh, have a really soul-crushing victory, but thankfully, Carl Anthony Towns kind of snapped out of it, had a big performance, and the Timberwolves uh, won handily, 135-121. to So that was the week that was, I, I believe, the Blazers have 19 games. There's just 19 games left in this season. Uh, what what was your, your good for the week, Sage? 
I think the one just beautiful good is that we lost. We lost both games. It, that helps the lottery odds. We've done a lot of college basketball scouting this this year. So being able to be knowledgeable about the players that potentially could be on the roster next year is, is good. Ant was so good against the, the Minnesota Timberwolves that we're resting him. So, I, I mean, at least the one person that you need to still be good is still being good. And you you got performances by uh, Watford and uh, Eubanks and Keon Johnson had some shining moments. So the guys that you needed to do well did well, and we lost. So that that's that's the good for me. Yeah, I mean, Anthony had an, an incredible night. You're looking at 38 points and 40 minutes of action. Uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well overall, just 11 of 25, but was an incredible three-point shooter, especially in volume, 9 of 17. Got to the free throw line. That's what we've been talking about, 7 of 7. If he's going to be the lead guard, you're going to need to see 6 to 8 free throws a night. Uh, that's what Dame did. Uh, when he was the lead guard uh, before he got hurt. And if whoever is the lead guard in this franchise, basically in the NBA, you have to be able to get to the free throw line. And that's what he did. You want to see the assist numbers up just three, but again, with eight players and you're playing with the likes of no offense, CJ Ellaby, Kelton Blevins, uh, you know, a couple 10 day contract players. It's, it's a little hard to ask for, but offensively he was a a maestro. And I I thought there was quite a bit of good um, for the week. Like, like you talked about Anthony played well, that's that, that should be really the standard. You you don't care about the win. You care about your young players playing well. And when you're talking about a young player, uh, Keon Johnson is that player that, that I'm watching for. Like Anthony's already done enough. If they were to decide to shut him down for the rest of the season uh, tomorrow, you already know what you're going to get. You're going to match any sort of offer that he gets in free agency. You feel very confident about his progression that he's made uh, over the course of this season. And you like the trajectory that he is his headed in. Uh, for me, it's it's now like all eyes are on Keon Johnson, 19 uh, year old prospect from Tennessee uh, drafted in the uh, the late teens, early 20s last year, and he just gives Portland something at that guard position that they traditionally haven't had in, in the past, you know, decade plus. And that's someone who has a really good wingspan and is defensive minded. And when I, I watch him play, it was a little rough. Um, well, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. The games against uh, Denver, especially and uh, Golden State looked lost, but I think that's okay. Like he was coming off of an ankle injury. He wasn't really playing at all for the Clippers, gets traded. You know, he's seeing players like Justice Winslow and Josh Hart, new additions kind of make their impacts felt, and he wasn't able to play. He's finally starting to find a little bit of a rhythm, and he had a really solid night starting alongside Anthony. He's playing 30 minutes, five of nine from the floor, maybe more importantly, three of five from downtown, 15 points, five assists, two boards. And he had a play where I don't think I've ever seen a blazer guard do this maybe since Clyde Drexler. And I'm not saying he's Clyde Drexler, but I'm saying he has that athletic ability that Portland hasn't had at that position since the glide got the ball at the top of the key. And he just almost caught it in one motion, one to two dribbles. And he was at the cup and he just had a beautiful smooth laying in traffic and he was in there in the bat of an eye that is exactly the type of play that you're looking for when you're watching Keon Johnson because that's the type of play that is going to make him a long-term pillar of this franchise a player that you can really depend upon and when I say a long-term pillar it doesn't mean that he's going to be the first or second best player Uh, the Blazers have had incredible sixth men over the years I mean it just whatever role he's able to carve out that's where you're going to need him. And so that we've been doing a lot of future Fridays and, and flashes of brilliance are always that the first kind of box I looked to check off. That was a player right there that I was like, okay, th- that was an NBA move. Let's just give this kid more time and kind of see what, where it takes us. Because right now I don't think the bar is incredibly high. Like we know he's a, a couple years away from really producing. So anytime you get those, those flashes, you kind of bottle them up and you go back and watch them say, okay, this, this is the guy that we think he can become. And you just kind of have to 
kind of have to lean on that until it starts coming more and more consistent. I mean, the, the, the thing about Keon is that the last two years of his career, college and the pros where he's getting any minutes whatsoever, have been two of the worst spacing messes. The, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, when he was there, had three guys in the paint at all times and no spacers. And then this year, you're seeing the same thing. So it's tough to really like think of Keon in NBA spacing because he hasn't had it yet. He hasn't had it where he has uh, more space to create in the paint because I think that's where his, his value shows is him making cuts, him getting to the rim, using that God-given athleticism. And he just hasn't ever had the uh, the space to create and do what he does best because he has the tools to be a good defender. He just hasn't had the benefit of NBA spacing because of where the places are and how they're losing games. He, he, he can't shine because who who's going to – Who's going to draw the uh, defense away from him so he has clean driving lanes? No one. So it's good to see those sparks of brilliance from Keon Johnson because it's definitely against him and his skill set right now. And I also think there is a a shining silver lining in in what Brandon Williams has brought to the table as a 10-day contract uh, lead guard as well. Now, again, it's really hard to evaluate players putting up good numbers when they're losing by an average of 30, 25 points a night. But I think what he's shown in aggressiveness, a good handle, good shot, uh, poise, especially for such a young player that you're like, okay, you're going to get a a summer league invite and we're going to see how it can, how you progress in the summer. Do you keep playing this well? Okay. You're going to get a training camp invite keep going are okay you're you've cracked the rotation it's kind of he can have djs uh jay's minutes pretty easily i mean portland is going to have other areas that they have to address like they need a starting power forward they need additional uh small forward slash shooting guard help that they they need big man depth like like none other so oddly enough when you have damon hamfrey on your on your team even if they may play alongside each other Backup point guard may not be as high on the priority list because of where Neil O'Shea left this roster. So there's an opportunity for him to kind of sneak in. And it kind of reminds me of Robert Pack. Robert Mm -hmm. Pack was undrafted out of USC in uh, 1991. At the time, Portland had no roster spots available. But Pack played so well in summer league and in the preseason that the Blazers decided to just cut Walter Davis, a former all-star, a player they acquired the previous deadline for Drazen Petrovic. And they said, no, you're you're better long-term and short-term than, than Walter. And in the regular season, Pack played dividends. He had a game against the Timberwolves where he basically led a second-half comeback, went on to have a really good career with the Denver Nuggets, uh, part of that team that took out the, the number one seed Seattle Supersonics. So you've seen other franchises have success bringing in uh, players like unannounced, like the Heat when they were, they had a couple of years where they were not even close to competing, but they used their 10 day contracts, their two ways wisely. That's how they got Duncan Robinson. Everybody else passed on that kid. They gave him a shot. I'm not saying that's the same thing with Brandon Williams, but you're at least encouraged that he's putting up the numbers. Like you, you, if he's not putting up numbers, like you might as well just move on to the next, but that, that, that first box is being checked. And then you can start to progress down the line of, is this player someone we can count on in the future? I mean, when you have low cost production, it makes things so much easier. So if he can shine in whatever minutes are given, because there's no way that the Blazers can make things work with Dame and Ant being the only guys that can dribble the ball and make plays for themselves and others. So if he can just carve out that niche of, you know, being that spot rotation player, just like Dennis Smith was, then, you know, you, you found value and, you know, hitting on those guys that, you know, missed out on for the NBA through the draft for whatever reason, and them becoming something is a huge, is hugely important and is a feather in the GM's cap. And, you know, the, because they weren't drafted, their cap holds smaller and it's easier to team build. So, I mean, for Brandon, like he has to continue to, to uh, compete and play well because 
it's helping him financially. And then for the team, they're giving him a smaller contract to do the, the, the things that are needed. So if he can continue that, that stretch of good play, it's going to be pretty, pretty impactful for us. My last good for the week, Sage, we are going to March Badness. Four games on Thursday, two games on Saturday. We'll basically be at the Rose Garden from sunup to sundown. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, right now, ESPN has uh, Gonzaga projected to be there, so we'll get a first-hand look at our guy Chet. And what I'm excited about right now, Joe Lenardi projects that Arkansas would be the four seed in Portland, and uh, they have a big that uh, I don't want to spoil it because we're going to do a second-round steals uh, episode of Future Fridays uh, in, in advance or excuse me, in the future. And Arkansas, they have a big that's defensive-minded, that does a lot of things that you need. Um, so I'm really ex- – that's a fun team to watch. So th- that's going to be exciting. There's going to be, I mean, so many beers, so many foods, uh, just a lot of hoops. And uh, the atmosphere is always great, especially if an upset starts to brew. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that we can see some potential – you know, value players. And if we're going to see Chet, that's like one, number one or two in the draft. So there's going to be some real, real potential at this, uh, at this March Madness. So I'm, I'm very excited. This is the first time I've ever gone to a uh, March Madness type, uh, March Madness game. I think I've only gone to like outside of Portland State University. Uh, I, I think I've only gone to one or uh, D1. Uh, college game so this will be this will be quite uh a new experience for me what was did you did you have a bad for the week not really i mean did anyone legitimately get hurt no they they did what they were supposed to do and competed so i'm happy i don't really have johnny davis getting hurt but But he's okay he's okay (laughs) I, I would say prior to tonight, my bad was just really unlucky finishes against opponents that Portland needs to win games. Uh, you had the Sacramento Kings go up 16 late in the second quarter against the, the Dallas Mavericks without Luka, and they end up blowing the game uh, down the stretch. You have Cam Johnson banking in a game winner, uh, sending the Knicks home. We desperately need the, the Knicks to win games. You've got the Indiana Pacers uh, splitting games against the Magic when you need them to sweep. Uh, it's just been very uh, difficult in terms uh, of trying to get these teams uh, to win games. Like Usually you're rooting for teams to lose so you can pass them in the standings. But, but thankfully... Portland got some some pretty decent news, and it started last night. I, I know we don't like them, but thankfully LeBron put up 56. The Lakers were able to keep their, their lead over the Pelicans uh, in that play-in game. And you also had the Washington Wizards holding, holding serve a, against – where was that game? The Indiana Pacers. Chris Stapps for Zingas is back, and – you know, you're saying, you know, why are you caring about like what the Washington Wizards are doing? Well, the Wizards have 34 losses right now. The Pelicans now have 37. So even if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, we'll get the pick, right? But you'd rather be picking 10 than 12 or 13. So it's important to keep an eye on teams like the Atlanta Hawks, like the Wizards, like the Knicks. You need to make sure that they continue to win uh, you want the Lakers to keep winning too, because we we know Sage that the Pelicans they're gonna they're gonna be the ten seed at minimum. Like the the Blazers, Spurs, and Kings, they're not catching New Orleans. New Orleans is gonna probably have to win two games to make that 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 playoff spurt playoff berth. You want them to have to do both on the road if you're looking at it from Portland's perspective. And the Lakers continuing to widen that gap in Portland got some good fortune. Uh, the Pelicans had been on a tear. Uh, so, so part of the bad was, you know, just destroying Utah. And you're like, oh, shit, like they're really clicking. And then I was about to add it when Denver was up by 16 at the end of one. 
And then New Orleans came back. Brandon Ingram's throwing up half-court heaves. That's dropping. And Nikola Jokic put on an MVP performance and was able to get that victory for the Nuggets, which, you know, now there's a two-game cushion between the Lakers and the Pelicans. And you have to hope that if you're a Portland fan, Anthony Davis is able to come back and they can kind of squash that. But that is a nightly occurrence. Like, you have to look at the schedule and be like, okay, who do we need to win? And you just kind of follow along. And up until last night, it, it, it wasn't going Portland's way. And it was kind of coinciding with Portland almost defeating the Wolves. And I was like, oh, I, I don't like, is this just even meant to be? But that's why it is a marathon and not a sprint. I found a website from uh, 538. And I wanted to know if there was any projections. Like, how, how do they see the the NBA season uh, kind of wrapping up for all all 30 teams and they have Portland ending 35, 31 and 51. That would put them seventh going into the lottery. And they have the Pelicans at 37 and 45, which would be 12th. And I don't believe they have them at making the playoffs because they have the Clippers at 41 wins and the Timberwolves at 46 wins. So it's kind of a fun little website to, look at on, you know, just refresh and say, okay, like, here's, here's what we're thinking about. Like, how does it change if a team gets an unexpected defeat or an unexpected, uh, you know, victory, but really the teams I'm really keeping an eye on are the Wizards, Hawks, Knicks, obviously the Pelicans, Lakers, the Clippers too, Spurs and Kings. Like, I think it's, it's too far gone for, for teams like the Rockets and Thunder and Pistons and Magic and I don't know what the, the freak, the, the Pacers problem is, but we're, you're not going to probably catch the Pacers either. So, you know, kind of, a, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a very um, interesting last 19 games of the season. Yeah, I, I really just, for the Blazers, hope we lose. And then I think that's the most important thing. And then, you know, the Pelicans losing. And then I just... If they're even close to us, I just they they should win these games. And then if like there's if there's like a problem where it's like the Knicks versus the Wizards, you know, you, you have to look up which was one more beneficial. But my my uh, my thing sometimes is sometimes you just get win win games. They're very rare, but it's like oh okay, either result's happy for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 just hoping that we have a good chance at rising up to the uh, one through four slot. And if you're you're looking for some some light at the end of the tunnel, um, the season was a little delayed in in December. Some games were postponed. Some teams have played more than others. But instead of looking at the loss column, which we're all trained to do when you're trying to rise up the standings, when you're trying to fall back in the standings, look at the win column. Thankfully, Portland has has stayed at that 25 number. And if you look, San Antonio's at 24, and Sacramento is at 24 as well. So really just any couple of wins by those teams would do wonders. And yeah, that'd be huge. Thankfully Portland plays the Spurs three times uh, before the season ends. So uh, we could see some, some Jedi mind tricks from those are huge losses. Yeah. Uh, So I feel like the Kings are trying to win games. That's what's the big boy move that they did trading away Halliburton for Demonis. I feel like that, like they should try and win games and not they have an NBA roster. It, it's mind boggling how bad the Sacramento Kings are. They have Harrison Barnes, Sabonis, Rashawn Holmes, De'Aaron Fox, like Davion Mitchell is a solid rookie and they can't win. When they blew that lead to the Mavericks, I sent you a text I'm like, just relegate the goddamn Kings. Like they haven't made the playoffs since 2006 and they have a, a playoff roster. I, I, I don't. Has Rashawn Holmes played? I don't think Holmes has played a, a second since they got Demonis. So I they what they have to do, and I think Alvin Gentry knows, is just they have to try and just outscore everybody because they're not play, they're not gonna play winning defense with Demonis playing the five. When you let Spencer Dinwiddie get 30 plus, uh it's it's gonna be a long night. Yeah. Like who who's a is Harrison Barnes the only plus defender on that team? Davion Mitchell, but yeah, those two. And he's a rookie, so 
Yeah, you can't really count on him to play consistently great minutes all the time. No, he'll he'll get he'll get the rookie ref treatment where you know they'll they'll whistle him for a, a little cheap foul. Yeah, like I I can't think of a worse d- defensive center than Demonis. It it's tough out there. Like it when is, they made that trade, they have to have a, a really good running mate with him in the front court, and they just don't have it. Yeah, they don't have Evan Mobley. <laughs> yeah, like Alvin Gentry knows more about defense than you and I combined, but that's not his forte. Like what he wants is to score a whole lot. And I, I think that they just need to keep, make that pace number one in the league and just try and outscore teams because that's the only way they can win. So my bag was semi-good. I don't think either of us has an, an ugly. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, it, it's no, not really. Like they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, they are. Unless an injury happens, it's for real. I don't think there's an ugly if we continue to lose. Yeah, I think that's that's the goal. And you know, I've seen some people that are just like, oh, at least make the games competitive, or like I can't or I can't believe that the team is deliberately trying to lose games. And my argument to that was, you know, I take more offense to them trying to continuously run it back with a roster that has zero chance at competing for a title. At least with this, it's a different change of pace, a different uh avenue to to try and get better and, and portland's a small market team all of our nearly all of our stars have came through the draft and correct me if i'm wrong but the blazers have the longest active playoff streak this isn't a team that tanks year in and year out so if you want to once a decade just say fuck it we, we want this pick you should earn that right because portland is one of the league's uh i think steady hands and you can count on them year after year to put out a competitive roster. Cookie didn't crumble Portland's way, and I think they're doing the right thing. Um, I, it may not be pretty, it may not be ethical, but other teams are doing it as well. And I mean, the Magic haven't been competitive in four months. Like, I mean, four four months. The Magic haven't been competitive since Dwight Howard was dominant. No, the Magic haven't been competitive in almost ten years. Jesus. Sacramento hasn't won made the playoffs since since 2006. I mean Oklahoma City we I mean I mean that that, that that's a long-term project if we haven't uh seen one before. Um Houston clearly is on the rebuild path but like they traded away James Harden. I mean when's the last time the Pistons were good? I mean Chelsea so Phillips was their point, point not the head coach but the point guard. It's 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 time for Portland. Like this is, you know, this just is what it is. Like it's, it's so hard to have sustained elite success. Like not everyone can be the Spurs and look, even the Spurs have fallen on hard times over the past five years. Like it it just, it is what it is. It's hard to continue to have a roster that is elite, but is also cap flexible. So you can bring in mid levels. You have good rookies. You're able to sign them to their extensions. You can kind of mix and maneuver and make big enough moves to to stay in that that upper echelon of the league year after year. So for me, it's like just do what you have to do. Like make this as ugly as possible. Play eight players a night. Make up whatever injuries you can do. Um, you only have to do it for six more weeks. Nineteen games. Mm-hmm. And we've done it before. Mm-hmm. Portland lost thirteen straight games. At the end of the 2013 season, they, they knew they were out of the playoffs and it landed them CJ McCollum. You need lottery picks, especially if you're a small market. So um, especially if you can get two this year, then you're really looking like, okay, the future still you start to see that that light, that light comes a little bit closer. You can you can see some of the vision. Now, if you start mucking it up and you end up with just like the, the 10th or 11th pick and the Pelicans make the playoffs. Eh, that light starts getting a, a little bit more in the distance. So there still was a lot of moving and shaking until that final day of the NBA season and the NBA draft lottery. But I, I am all about it. Uh, it. It's time to have some self-awareness and it wasn't working. So, you know, let's see what, what we can do. But I mean, this about, tanking has made people money. Like Trendon Watford now has a, four-year contract because of this tanking like there's going to be players that create riches for their families and long-term wealth 
out of this tanking. So there's benefits other than the potential draft picks. There's players that are showing their, their stuff in the highest league in the world that then proving that they are able to make money at the, at this game. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for all those young bucks getting the the time and making sure people notice their skill sets and how they continue to play hard. Like these eight players that are playing are trying to show these 29 GMs and Cronin I'm worthy of the time and energy, you know, needed to let me hit that second level or whatever it may be. So there's benefits of, uh, of this tank. Watford is like the clearest one. Like, like he showed that he has some skills that, you know, Cronin found very valuable. I have a question that I want to pose to you because it, it touches on uh, the Pelicans, but also Portland's potential situation uh, in the fall. So since the Pelicans acquired CJ McCollum, it was a bit of a rough start. They, they, they tried the small backcourt with Devontae Graham and CJ that they lost until the all-star break. Willie Green makes the switch. They go big. Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram at the wings. And I believe they're now four and one with that lineup and, and looking really solid with that size and length and let letting CJ just really operate. Mm-hmm. Do you think Cronin he may have had his biases going into the offseason, knowing that only Dame or Ants can really play. Do you think this gives him like proof or even evidence to go to ownership and say, we, we can't play Dame and Ant together? Or do you think it um, further cements his belief that maybe the, the, the pairing can't uh, work? Because I, I, going back to an athletic interview, Jason Quick talked about uh, with Joe Cronin, like if, if the head coach trots out Dame Ant, and Josh Hart, like, how are you feeling about that? He's like, basically kind of danced around the answer. Like, I, I don't love it, but the, if it is like, we have to play Dame and Ant, like, or Ant has to play. I don't care if Ant plays at center, like he's got to get on the floor. I, I just want to know if, if the, the, the CJ success going with length, which, which we've all talked about in new Orleans, if Portland will now really try to mirror that next season and not maybe go down that same path that they did with the undersized backcourt previously for the previous eight years with Damon CJ. So you've got, I think for one year that I think that those two need to see if they can make it work and then make the decision because Dame is at his all time low spot in his uh, trade value. So like, you need to at least see the see the failure and then be able to uh, address it. I just, I just don't think that to play devil's advocate, does Dame have a year just to spend seeing if something works? I don't know because because of the injury. Like, who's to say that he doesn't come out like gangbusters because he doesn't have that abdomen injury? So, like, I think we're gonna have to see it on the court for at least a little while to make that decision. Like, I think you're right. Um, of course, you don't want to trade Dame when his value is low. So you're you're absolutely right, and, and I I think I think that's maybe what they have to do. Hopefully, preseason is enough of an inclination. I think in the past, I, I can't remember preseason meaning more for this franchise than in the past few years. Uh, you even go back to the the 1920 year, the year after the Western Conference Finals, and you're like, oh God, this team's perimeter defense. Is, is all time bad. Mm-hmm. Like you had Aaron Baines just like splashing everything on, on Hassan while he gave him, you know, miles of space that trickled into that season, leading Portland to be an historically all bad defense an all time poor defense. We saw this year in preseason that it just wasn't going to work either. You know, they, they didn't win a single game. They didn't look like they made any improvements or adjustments uh, from that playoff loss to Denver. And so maybe you just see enough in preseason where it's like, okay, this has a chance at working or we need to figure something out. I, I think the draft is going to be huge too, to get those Absolutely. top players because like, even at, what is our best three guard lineup right now? It, it's short. It has to be short because like Nasir is six, five. So it, it's not going to be properly sized, like comparing it to new Orleans. So I think Cronin has to hit on 
the the draft picks that he has before we can make that argument that those two can't make can't fit cuz like if we traded one of them i don't know where the talent would be besides the people we get back i think the draft has to be a huge success in terms of wing talent and and tall guy talent then it will be a much easier switch to to pick that lead guard so i i, I think cronin has to hit has to hit really well in the uh, the draft scoring on like you know the the seventh and the the tenth and those second rounders like i think he has to there can't be a complete strikeout in the uh the uh four potential picks yeah the or is it five potential four four, four. potential yeah I, and i think in my eyes a perfect scenario if the franchise is determined to move forward with both Dame and Anthony is you start Dame and you start Josh Hart and you say, Anthony, we're going to push you for six man of the year. Uh, you know, just give this three, four years. You're going to get your, you're going to get your money. Dame's still the head face of the franchise. You know, the keys will be yours, but you almost have to look at it like a Ginobili in San Antonio situation, Harden in Oklahoma city. Yeah. They probably are good enough to start, well, in, in this case, Anthony most certainly would be, but team construct, I think, balance, size, length, it, it, it would make more sense. I think you could really, you could finish with, with Dame and Ant together mm-hmm. in spurts, but I, I think there is such a value in having big wings in today's NBA that can take so much of the burden away from Dame. Dame does so much offensively that he he's just never going to be Gary Payton on, on that defensive end. So mm-hmm. you need to do almost like what the, what the Suns did with Steve Nash. They just covered him. The Warriors do it all the time. They cover Steph. Steph's not a good defender, but they yeah. Got, you put you put Dame on the corner shooter of the opposing. You put team. Dame on Tony Allen, circa you know twenty fourteen Memphis Grizzlies. Like I, I don't I don't worry about Dame getting super duper tired defending a hash sitter from three on, on the, on the other side. I think that we couldn't really, we didn't really have that ability uh, in the last few years because CJ, unless it's a high leverage game, isn't the best defender as well. So trying to hide two or three bad defenders is a lot harder than hiding one. So I, I, that's why I think this draft is so important. And then using our uh, free agency money. Well, like, if we can end up having Benedict Matherin, Tari Eason, some good second rounders, and then a good MLE, it makes this it makes this Plus a the exception. What's up? Plus the exception. Yeah, it make it makes this decision point a lot easier than going with some other players. And you know, I, that's why I think these the the offseason is going to be enormous in terms of talent getting and. You know, they probably have to be like, you know, six, five and hit some certain uh, athletic thresholds and shooting thresholds. So that, that, that's why that this is so important is, you know, you got to get the talent around whoever you choose before you make that ultimate decision between your two guards. Yeah. I just hope there's some thought process from the brain trust rather than saying, Oh, yep. We're going to start Damon ant in, that's what it's going to be. How because, how good does the three and four and five have to be de- at defense to cover up that shit? It, like Draymond, all NBA defensive players, yeah. every position. Yeah, Paul all George, NBA. Draymond, and uh, Aiton. Like we ain't getting that. So it, it this this off season is going to be. I know we talked about how important this off last off season was, but this one's going to be pretty damn important too. Like you got to have forward momentum going into some of these big decisions. So like, you can't be bummed out that you got Kendall Brown or whatever. You gotta, you gotta have good momentum coming into this, this decision point. And I also think it's important to look at, at positives of of keeping both Dame and Ant. And and one of those would be, if you're getting, if you're going to try to sell, Anthony coming off the bench is saying, you know, we're going to rest Dame on back-to-backs. If there's a four game in seven night, we're going to rest him against an opponent. We think we can cook. You're going to start. You're going to play 40 minutes. Like you're you, going to have the ball more. 
Like you and, really need to, if you're going to keep Anthony and Dame, you're going to need to limit Dame's minutes, uh, really rest him when you can. Do you think Chauncey has the ability to do that? Like even in these games where it's not the most important thing that we win, he's still playing Ant quite a bit of minutes. At least now he's taking him out in the third quarter, but like he has, he has a problem with playing players minutes when it's not needed. It's unfortunate that more coaches don't understand that concept. We always hear everyone like Tom Thibodeau, they just run their players into the ground. Terry Stouts and Chauncey are just as bad. If you look at the elite coaches, they know how to monitor minutes. Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, they, they know what they're doing. And you, it, it's just a great way to run your guys into the ground before the games actually matter. Like, I don't think Portland's had a, a fresh and revitalized Damian Lillard in the playoffs ever. Ever. Yeah. No, because he's playing gassed. 40 minutes and running them. Like, Damian CJ were running the most amount of miles. Yep. And playing heavy minutes. So it was like a it was a double whammy of being really tired. So like if Ant is willing to accept that, which I don't know, I don't know what's going through his mind on given days. But like if he can be I think that he will get the ball in better position and better spots for himself than he is now. Like, you know, if, if he's on ball and Dame's off and you have guys like AJ Griffin or Benedict Matherin spacing and forwards and stuff like he's going to get such easier shots. Now they're treating him like he's prime Kobe outside of the, uh, the Timberwolves, which I don't know why they didn't do this uh, early and often trying to defend him, but like he's getting treated like he's prime Kobe because no one else scares the opposing team. So he'll have the ball less, but he'll be so much more efficient and effective in a, uh, in a, in a team where they're competing for wins and he has competent NBA players around him. So we've kind of talked about players who have upped their game during this kind of a open audition. Has there been anyone that this is not going well in their favor and that they're getting too much floor time and it could be a, uh, bad for them come uh money money time in, in the summer uh are we talking cj Ellaby? but we w- wink wink yeah totally yes well we he, he's playing power forward and that's just so unfair to him i feel like he might be taking the biggest hit in terms of you know seeing the extra time i, I can't really blame bad results on him he's so undersized for the position and we're we're so undersized for the position honestly i think he's the one negative guy that i can sort of think about but it's in such a negative spot for him like the fact that he's able to sort of play the power forward is fine yeah i guess i didn't think about that that he is being asked to do something that probably shouldn't in in normal uh circumstances i i would say it's a little bit of a bummer because I, I liked his game coming out of Washington state. He seemed to always kill the ducks whenever they, they played one another um, like playing power forward or not his inability to shoot the basketball, with any consistency, even on open jumpers, I think has just been a big detriment. And I think that's where Nasir is going to have to make that, that next step. And when he plays well, he's hitting the jump shot. Uh, CJ has not been able to hit that jump shot. And then he's also not really able to finish when he's driving. I I think he still can make it in the league, but I I think it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be with another organization. Uh, He's a restricted free agent. I would be incredibly surprised if Portland brings him back. You know, we've already talked about Dame and Ant and Josh Hart uh, as guards. You now have Keon Johnson. They're not giving up on him. He's a first round draft pick. And you have two potential lottery picks and two second round picks. This draft is littered with, with shooting guards. That is just, you know, a, a terrible sign if you're CJ Ellaby because you're, you're not going to beat out uh, one of the, the elite shooting guard prospects that Portland likely will uh, be able to draft. So I mean, uh, they, they're going to take two wings. It, it, and one might be a second rounder, but they're taking one wing in the, the first and probably one in the second. So it's 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 going to be difficult for him to 
beat out any of those guys. And then you, Nasir Little, Didi's on a real contract, long-term contract. So it's like he's competing with so many players for that. I would feel much more safe if he was a point guard than if he was one of those wings. Like point guard probably stays on the roster, but small forward or wing absolutely does not. So it, it's just, it, it, it sucks because Blazers are going to get a wing or two, but other teams that are needing a wing to eat up minutes are also probably going to get another wing. So it, it, it it's going to be tough for him to get a spot. Though the way he, I think he does it is if some other team just loved him at Washington State, because I, I don't think that what he has provided in a uh, role that isn't good for him, but what it, in a role nonetheless, it garners anything above like a prove it minimum contract, which is great for him having another chance, but it, it, it's going to be a tough a tough ride for him to get long-term gainful employment in the National Basketball Association. And maybe he's just in a little over his head right now, right? Like you ever, you're ever at a job and you get on a project, you're like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and they keep asking you to do it day after day after day. Sometimes you have to just like sit back and maybe go down a level or, you know, sit back and watch. There's nothing wrong with being a European professional basketball player. Yeah. Like I I think right now he's in over his head a bit um, being asked. If if he goes down the league, it's not like he's stuck there forever. Like there's plenty of guys that dominate in the Euro league and then come back. Yeah. So, and and then the thing about a Euro league is the, the, team that he's on pays for his living situation pays his taxes there's a lot of benefits of being a european professional basketball player that you know we may not know and he gets time to run like if he goes to australia he's getting minutes so isn't that more important like getting better isn't that more important than the league that you're in because he's not going to get five minutes a game if if we're fully healthy he's not getting any rotation unless something really bad happens with foul trouble I think he's he's a very good player. Like he's one of the top two percent in the world. It might not be the NBA is his destiny now. That doesn't mean that it isn't in three or four years. He, I mean, how how old is he? He's still a relatively young young prospect. So he has all the time in the world. Like get better, get a lot of minutes, and come back, or go to the G League. Like, go to a team that has a G League affiliate. I think it's stupid that we don't, but go to a team with a G League ex- uh, and get some experience, get some money, and learn another team's scheme in a low-pressure situation compared to coming in here where there's – you have to at least produce a little bit while you're here playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. All right, Stage. Before we look at the upcoming week, it is – conference tournament season this week all of the major conferences kick off uh i believe the west coast conference tournament final is tomorrow gonzaga is a part of that and then you get all 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 of the the household names you got the big 10 the pac-12 acc big east uh sec uh you name it they're playing is there a player or two that you're really wanting to see more of this conference tournament before you get into the big dance is there someone that you want to see more of that can boost their stock is is there someone where you're like i think they're good but i just need to see more of or is there a player that's kind of a uh, trending downwards that you want to see if they can kind of turn it around i think that i mean obviously you know that i love aj griffin and if he gets the opportunity to succeed i think he's going to take it and take advantage of it like I could honestly see him being the best player on the Duke Blue Devils because of Paulo's inability to uh, finish with contact and his black hole-ness as a uh, post-up threat. So I would like A.J. Griffin to be that number one option on that Duke team. Do I think it happens? Probably not, but there's a chance. I think he's the second easily the second-best player, and if Coach K treats him like that, I think that he his uh, potential could expand to – beating out Paulo um, on my particular board. Um, I want to see Matherin just because I've been negative on him. And I think that he's improved as a prospect. So Arizona, I would love to see more Arizona games. Um, hmm. We're going to talk about him in a week, but I think 
I would like to see Obaji actually succeed because in that game against uh, Texas, he sure didn't do well, but there's things about him that I think is, will translate to being a uh, good pro. So I, I, th- I think just rewatching those wing players and seeing them in, you know, six positions where they could succeed is what I want to see in the, uh, uh, the conference championships. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if Duke would go more than four minutes without um, passing the ball to, to AJ Griffin. I mean, I was texting you during that, that Carolina game. I was like, he's just, he's standing in the corner and nobody's passing him the ball where everyone's going one on four, one on five. I was like, coach K do not know how to run uh, a pick and roll. So it was pretty, he got one and it wasn't, he scored relatively easy. Like he has all the tools to be three on our, on my personal board. It's just, he doesn't get it because of the, the team he's on. So and I was like, I, if, if I'm a, a high school prospect, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to Duke. We, why are you going to Duke? Uh, I get it. Cause it's there's, there's going to be six, five stars on that team next year, like or six, four or five stars. So like, I, I would go a team that actually has a coach that can run a pick, pick and roll and some backside action. I would go to Michigan if I was a really good high school basketball player. At least I know so, Juwan's got my back. Like, don't uh, go to Memphis and and Duke right now. So I yeah, loved I, Penny Hardaway, but I think he's a abysmal college coach. Uh, they had a huge win over Houston today, though. Don't so care. Didn't watch it. But they dominated Houston, so they're actually and they're playing. a good Houston's a good team. Yeah, they are. If, uh, if we see Memphis, I'm going to be kind of upset if they go to Portland. Not going to lie. Memphis is playing well right now, but yeah, I'm kind of sick of watching Duke. I'll, I'll tune in to see AJ, but I've, I need to see a lot more from, from, from Banchero. He's continues to fall on, on my Is board. AJ ahead of Paula? No, not yet. But I, again, like I'm not in love with, with either prospect right now. And it could just be because of the system they're playing it. I just, I don't enjoy watching. Duke, Duke. sucks. Duke, it it sucks on. watching Duke. I, I do not like watching Duke play ball, but here's a name that's going to surprise you. Jaden Ivey. He's, he's good. Been, he's fantastic, but he has been really struggling mm-hmm. uh, as of late, as as has Purdue. Um, they, they've had to... Uh, do you think Edie's going to play major minutes in a high-leverage situation for Purdue? He's just... He moves so stiff. Like, I, I don't know if him playing more minutes than Travion is going to benefit them just because of his movement issues. I mean, I'm, I I just want to see the ball in Ivy's hands, and, and I want to see – I want to see DHOs and pick and rolls with Ivy. Yep. And I want to see that, that three-point shot. He's just had a couple of rough games, but it's, it's not really deterring me from liking him as a prospect, but I want to see how he bounces back. Like, he's he's kind of fallen a little bit. Like, how does he bounce back? The Big Ten's arguably the best conference in America. There's going to be some fantastic games uh, in that tournament um, I'm also looking at players a little bit down the board. You already mentioned uh, Ochai Abaji. Um, he will be our future Friday. We're going to look at him at his peak. We damn sure saw him. We at saw him, him at that absolute negative. At his valley uh, <laughs> against Texas, going one for 11 on senior night. Uh, so it's really good to get the full full scale of a prospect. How does he bounce back in, in that Big 12 tournament? Baylor is going to be a fun team to watch. They've got two wings that that can do a lot uh, defensively, versatile, and Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan. Um, Tari Eason for, for LSU, who I've been a little bit uh, quiet about, uh, but he had uh, he showed what you want in a lottery pick for a role player, right? Playing Alabama, top 25 team, closes out on the shooter, blocks the three-point shot, has the the awareness to track the ball down and the strength to finish with the land basically was the game winning defensive and offensive play. So how can he look? I, I know it's tough. LSU is not a aesthetically uh, pleasing team to watch either. Um, but that's really the, those are the players that I want to see. You know, we're looking at Ivy and the Big Twelve. See what they're going to do, and then lastly, Auburn. Walker Kessler has kind of slowed down his production a bit, and Auburn's kind of struggled. They played a lot of close games. They needed Jabari Smith to bail them out. Loved what I've seen from Jabari. Want to see Kessler get back into that that dominance, that five, six, seven block performance, maybe hit a couple of threes, just just to see that. Like, right, like when you're evaluating a prospect, you don't just want to see one clip and say, 
I've seen him do it, so I know he can. You want to see that clip happen a little bit more frequently. And so you can be like, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I feel really good about this prospect. So that's kind of what I want to see. Um, um, out of, I mean, for out of Auburn, I want to see Jabari Smith dribble. Because I, I, I'm really down on his ability to create his own shot if he's put in any other position for the four. Like, I, I need to see his self-creation on anything other than one dribble pull-ups or catch and shoots. I, I think I think that the ball handling is is pretty low on his abilities. I, I would like to see what he can do against like bad SEC teams as a dribbler because right now I think it's just one dribble pull ups and and an amazing shot. If he could show that playmaking skill, he could he he would be a tier one. But uh, since he it, it, it's kind of difficult for him to. A get the ball and to create that space, you know, you're you're looking at limited possessions of him being like that that playmaker. Like it's so limited because, like you said, Auburn's mm-hmm. got a, a bunch of guards that, that bad love guards. If they don't do well in the tourney, it's because of they love of their own guards. shot. So mm-hmm. and then when when you're Jabari, like I got the ball, like I don't am I gonna really want to showcase something right now, or do I want to get the, the shot that I can get? So it's tough when you're watching college basketball. You have to really l- remove some of the parameters and say this. This is probably the I mean, the, sp- the playmaking is the same for AJ Griffin and uh, and Jabari. They both don't get the ball as much as they should, so they can't showcase their abilities with the ball in their hands. I would say that Jabari gets the third amount of possessions to create on that on that Auburn team. I think the two guards get the most. So him being the potential number one pick in the draft and then being third on the list of playmaking responsibilities is it's kind of bugged out. And then like for AJ, he's the fifth guy on that roster. College coaches are dumb. There's a reason not many succeed in the NBA. I would love to see both AJ and, and Jabari get those, those opportunities because I think that those two are the leaders in the clubhouse of being able to score in the NBA, creating for themselves. All right, Sage, uh, up in the current week for the Blazers, more life on the road, and then they return home for just one stop, but we're heading out for another five-game road trip. They have another match against the Minnesota Timberwolves Monday. Then they go to Utah, uh, the last nationally televised game for the season on Wednesday to take on the Jazz. Then Saturday, maybe a one of the most important games in terms of draft lottery positioning. They take on the Washington Wizards at home. Uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis uh, made his debut uh, tonight and had a really fantastic performance. Kyle Kuzma has been playing really good basketball for them as well. But uh, let's look at the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Timberwolves first. They will be without Anthony Edwards again. And I believe uh, Patrick Beverly, Nas Reed are, are questionable. So, how first of all, how was that game so close when Portland's only having eight players? Did they just flat out overlook them and not try at all on the defensive end of the floor? I, I think uh, Ter- uh, Prince for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Torian Prince said it best. They didn't defend Anthony Simons well enough because you well, know that how to be a problem this game. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, the the Blazers are benching him. But I, I think Cat and uh Nas did not guard up as well as they could like you're you can box and won this team the only person that's really going to kill you is Anthony Simons and yeah, they why did wouldn't you just why wouldn't you just trap mm-hmm. make him make a decision make somebody else get a jump shot yeah, yeah. like I, I think they approached defensively the wrong way and it gave the Blazers a chance now that they're playing them without Anthony Simons I think that 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 temptation to not play the point guard well, it doesn't really matter because it, instead of Anthony, it's Josh Hart and Keon Johnson. Like you want Keon to shoot as much as possible. So I I think I think uh, Chauncey Billups and probably Cronin made the right decision of not even giving Ant the opportunity to kill us for the, this pick. And then I mean next. Timberwolves want to win this game, right? They're they're competing first. To yeah, not they be in the get out plan, of that plan. Right? They're seventh yeah. right now. So, yeah, absolutely. So they 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 just have to win one game, and they're in the playoffs at the seventh seed, right? At the moment, they would face the Clippers in Minneapolis, 
they win, they're in. If they lose, they would play the winner of Los Angeles Lakers and Pelicans. Yeah, like you don't even want to put yourself in in that negative position. So win as many games as you potentially – can they hit the sixth seed? Denver has 26 losses. They have 29. So it's possible. It's like you take us seriously. Even though you probably win in the win by 30, take us seriously. So you don't have to like think back about that one loss against the depleted Portland Trailblazers. Like we've, we've had this conversation so many times when we play a depleted team and lose. Hopefully Minnesota is smarter and doesn't even give us the chance. Well, look no further than the result that happened tonight. You had the Memphis Grizzlies, who at the time had the second best record in the league, going into Houston with a 14-point lead against a team that had lost 12 straight games. And the Rockets turned it on, and Memphis did not have did not have an answer that they didn't finish the job. So any team can beat any team on any given night. So um, I think you know Minnesota has to take this game seriously. I mean, Portland scared the Dickens out of them on Saturday, so you would think that they would um, take the Trailblazers a little bit more uh, seriously and play with more urgency on Monday night. Uh, up next is the Utah Jazz, a team that is 40 and 23. They are fighting for even better seating right now. They're fourth in the West. Always been a tough place to play for the Trailblazers. They're 0-2 against the Jazz. Uh, this year, I mean, Rudy Gobert feels like he's going to have that pain. Is he going to? Is he twenty twentying us? I mean, I, I feel bad for Drew Eubanks. I mean, that that's this, just this such, is such a bad spot for him. It's just such a tall, tall task. And then, you know, who's going to guard Donovan Mitchell? Like, you don't no. have Nasir Little. I mean, Keon, if Keon's going to prove something, if he has a shining moment defending. Donovan, I think that's going to be the the the, the highlight that the Blazer fans and like media people latch on to about Keon and his like if as he has long, a moment as long as it doesn't turn into when Wade Baldwin clamped up James Harden that one time and Portland almost had that crazy comeback with Pat Connaughton uh, in Houston and we 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 lived off of that Wade Baldwin clip for months. Mm-hmm. Never materialized, but it was nice to think about for a bit. So well, at least give us I, that if Keon has his moments, I think that's how he stays on this team for multiple, multiple years. Yeah. Just have them that like that rookie moment against a superstar guard. If you clamp him up for three minutes straight, we're gonna talk about it forever. So he, he could possibly have his moment in the sun defending Donovan. He, he has a much better chance than any other player on that on this roster. So the that's the answer of defending Donovan. It might, it probably won't happen, but it could. But I think Rudy Gobert goes for some 2020 action against us because no one's competing for it with him for rebounds and, and dunks. And then you've got the Washington Wizards, a, a team that has lost Bradley Beal for the season, but they just got Chris Tapps Porzingis back. They are only two games behind the Atlanta Hawks for that final play in berth, 29 and 34. Uh, 12 and 17 away, but it's going to be, I think, I don't know how, how to say this. I think it's going to be like the, some of the most interesting games. Like, right. When, when you play the Suns, regardless of Paul and Booker, when, when you play the jazz or the nuggets or warriors, you really feel like you're, you're going to lose when you start to play like the rockets and then the spurs, the thunder, and then teams like the wizards, it's like, these are the games you really have to find a way to uh, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Both teams are really bad. Chris Stapps is easily the best player on both on both teams. So if if he can dominate our our weak interior, that's a good way. I'd like. I'm trying to think of their guards. Is it Nato and Nato Caldwell Pope, um, Sadoransky? Oh yeah, Ish- Sado Smith. I feel like Ish Smith has given us trouble for years because of how fast he almost had a triple double tonight, 13, nine assists, seven rebounds and just 28 minutes of action. Um, They play legitimate uh, vets. Kuzma has been giving them buckets. Um, They still have Hachimura and and Denny Adija, uh, Daniel Gafford off the bench. I mean, they're, they're not a good team, but they're like a respectable team. If that, they're fine. Yeah. Like, Bradley Beal took them over the top. Now this team is just like, they're going to struggle to score points, but 
we're going to struggle to score points too. If I mean, they put up 133 tonight. Really? Damn. Yeah. I have taken a break from doing any NBA research for the last two days. So I have no idea what's happening, but uh, it's, it feels nice not doing it, but um, yeah, like they're, they're, they're a fine team. I, I feel like it's, this is a must lose though. This probably positively or negatively affects the, 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 the team the most for draft position. And the fact that they still potentially can make the playoffs, like, if they're going to put on the uniforms and try hard, they might as well push for that playoff. Not really. This, I mean, it, 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 it's really important to take these L's as, as much as we honor. Yeah. If you watch this team in these conditions with these, you know, collection of guys. You deserve a good draft pick. I was going to say you deserve a, a congressional medal, but a good draft pick's fine too. But like, th- this is some disgusting ass ball. Like, <laughs> when I try and watch it, it's just like, God damn it! <laughs> like, if you if you're tweeting about this team when they're just putting out no NBA players, good for you. And if you're listening to this right now and support us, thank you because. This is kind of rough to create content about this team that L's are the most important thing. So thank you so much for listening. If you haven't rated us on iTunes yet, please do five stars. Leave us a good review. And um, I I don't have anything else to say, uh, but uh, thank you to everybody. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!